Today's scripture reading comes from the Gospel of John, out of the first chapter. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of the man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Thanks be to God for the word of God. Well, it's like we always say, like, my relationship with God, is, uh, it's not private, but it is certainly personal. I don't see him as being human, so you can't have a human relationship with him. Naniniwala ako na tayo mayroong personal na relationship sa Diyos dahil sa scripture at sa pagmamahal natin sa anak niyang si Jesus. There are people who believe that, that uh, uh, what shirt I put on this morning, that, that God cared what shirt I put on. That's nonsense. I do think God is so big and so vast that um, we'll never get to know him exhaustively. I felt like I heard a voice from heaven speak to my situation and tell me that everything was going to be okay. And I've lived a blessed life since then, since turning my life to God. You have to experience it for yourself. I think it's it's something hard to describe unless you're actually willing, willing to go there. Well, good morning again to everyone here, as well as for those tuning in online. We're glad that you're here as we uh, approach this last topic, this last question. We've uh, been exploring God the past several weeks, wrestling with some of the big questions of faith. And some of those big questions, uh, first question we tackled was, does life have a purpose? And then uh, we discussed the question, is there a God, which is a big topic, looking, is there evidence for God? Then we looked at why does God allow pain and suffering, which was a big topic to discuss, especially in one message alone. The next is, is Christianity too narrow? Rachel led us through that one. Is Jesus really God? was another big question. And then this past week, we discussed, is the Bible reliable? And we looked at how the Bible is laid out. What is the Bible? If you didn't grow up in the church, maybe even if you grew up in the church, you don't know what the Bible is. And people talk as if it fell from heaven all in one one volume in the King James. And that's not how it happened. But being pieced together, is it reliable? And we looked at some of the evidence and looked at actually there's a great deal of evidence pointing toward the reliability of the Bible. And this Sunday, our last question we're going to tackle is, can I know God 
personally. All of this culminates to this question. If, if all of these things are true, can I even know God personally? Well, those big questions that we've already discussed, were there any that stuck out to you that really kind of resonated or maybe you were wrestling with? Anybody here? Were there any of the big questions that you were kind of, yeah, I hadn't really thought about it in that way, or I'm still wrestling with that question? See, everybody here, they're all ready to go. They know the answers. You're all, all in it to win it. All right. The, rea- the reality is all of these questions, they touch no matter where you are and how mature in your faith you may be. At different seasons, they all touch every single one of us. We all have questions. We all have doubts. I would venture to guess that all of us in this room have questions that we've yet to truly find answers to. Maybe we have a hint, but we don't have the answer, and that's okay. But we broach this last question that I think is incredibly important because all the rest of the questions don't make sense and don't matter if we can't finally take the step toward this question of a personal God. But before we do that, I would like to go to God in prayer, so I invite you to join with me as we invite the Holy Spirit to guide our conversation. Let us pray. Almighty God, we thank you for this Sunday, the Sunday of Pentecost, when we celebrate your Holy Spirit, the birth of your church and your movement in your people, and we pray that your Spirit would be upon us now. That just as you ventured out in that gathering so many years ago, that Lord, your spirit would descend upon us, help us have understanding, that you would clear up the confusion, that you would convict us, that you would comfort us. And Lord, that you'd open our hardened hearts and our deafened ears to hear your words and to feel your presence. And Lord, I pray that as my words stray from yours, may they fall away and quickly be forgotten. But may your word, your truth, and your promise remain upon our hearts forevermore. In Jesus' name we pray, and all the saints said, Amen. So I was serving during a time of leadership ambiguity. Has anybody been in that kind of situation in an organization where there's this ambiguity in leadership, and it's really challenging to go through leadership transitions, isn't it? So I was serving during this time of one of those ambiguities. Our previous pastor had accepted a new call to another state, and we now had an interim pastor. Things were not great. We'll just put it that way. Many things were taking place that did not sit well with me, and honestly, I felt extremely abandoned and alone. Anybody been there? I was confused about my place as an associate pastor in the system when I'm bound to follow my superior. In many long conversations and prayers, I pleaded to God to show me a way. And to be honest, most of my prayers were not so much that God would show me a way, but that God would show me a way out. Been there? God, show me a way out, please. Take me out of this mess. Help me find a new position and a new place. But what I received in response felt less like an answer and a whole lot more like complete silence. Quiet. God, get me out of this mess. Crickets. I'd love to say that pastors have this secret, special red phone that gives us direct access to heaven, like the commissioner to Batman, if you remember the old Batman shows. 
that this direct line to heaven where we could just talk to God about every single thing, but you know what? We don't have any special red phone that gives us more access to God than any one of you have. We all experience times when God seems distant and uninvolved in our lives, don't we? Have you ever been on a phone call chatting away with somebody only to look down to find that that person you thought you were talking to is calling you back? Anybody been in that situation? Because the call had dropped somewhere along the way and you've been just chatting along to dead air for God knows how long only to look down and realize I'm not even talking to that person anymore. Been there? That happens to me all the time, especially when I'm in the car. All I've been talking to is empty space. And you know what? Sometimes our prayers and our conversations with God can feel like that, can't they? We're just talking away, talking away, and it just seems like there's empty space. Have you experienced the silence of God? Anybody have a time that they would like to share when you've experienced that from God? Was it in a big transition in your life? Maybe a move, or you're contemplating a move, or a new job, a new position, a new transition. Maybe it has to do with family, whether it's what school you're going to put your kid in, or how are we going to handle this, what's best for the kids. Should we have another kid? That's a big conversation. Should we have kids in the first place? The answer to that is no, you should not. <laughs> I'm lying. It's, it's a good thing, most of the time. Maybe it's in your relationship. It's a, it's a friendship. Should, should I continue with this friendship? Maybe it's toxic. Maybe it's not. Or should I, should I reach out? We're in this disagreement. Maybe it's in your own marriage. Should I talk to this other person about this big issue we have going on? Should we address our finances? We're in debt and we never talk about it. We just keep adding to it. There's so many situations we can find ourselves in and that we're pleading to God for aid and for help. God, give me an answer. Give me a neon sign. Give me a brick through the window with a message on it. Give me something. And then there's silence. And that silence, when you're in those tough times, can be deafening, can't it? It can be oppressive. It can be isolating. And it can be downright hurtful. Many people carry around this burden of God didn't, God didn't answer my prayers, and so I'm angry with Him. You don't deserve my allegiance. You don't hear me. So I want to start by saying that we all have these experiences. Even those who we would consider to be giants in the faith had times and seasons when they felt disconnected from God and God seemed silent. I mean, we, we love to celebrate Moses who was directing his people through the wilderness, but yet he still had times when God seemed silent. It happens to every single one of us. No one is immune. So if you are in one of those seasons now, you are not alone. We are with you. If we haven't been there, we're heading there or we're coming out of there We've been there. It's not an isolating experience, even though it feels that way. You are not alone. But let's talk a little bit about these seasons of silence. How do you react when you experience the silence of God? 
Anybody? What are some of the things you do when you experience the silence of God? How do you react? You complain. Absolutely. I, I can do a lot of that. Just ask Kate. Anybody else? How do you react to the silence of God? Pray longer. Feel like God's mad with me. Yeah. Or you get angry at God. Absolutely. Read the Bible. Which, by the way, the point on the anger of God, I just wanted to make this little disclaimer. I often tell people, if people feel guilty about being angry with God, God can handle your anger. It's what we do with our anger and where it leads us that can lead us in trouble. But anger is not a problem. It's what we do with it. And God can handle your anger. God can handle your questions. How else do you react? Anybody else? You ever feel numb? You just kind of, whatever. I'll be honest, that experience I mentioned earlier led to a a spiritual numbness in me. I just kind of stopped feeling altogether. It was my survival mode. Very often we resort to religious deeds. That's why, Matt, I'm glad you mentioned pray longer because sometimes we, we, we think that our deeds can change God or please God sometimes, whether it's prayer or acts of service or something. So here's a quick, let's take a quick survey with a show of hands. How many of us have tried to do really good things to get right or even make up with God? Anybody? Oh yeah, oh yeah, that's been me. All right, hands down. How many of you tried to stop doing things in order to make God happy? Because you think, okay, it's because I did something wrong. Yeah, Mm mm-hmm. This is extremely common. We all have done this at some point or another. But let me ask this. When you did those things to try to please God, whether it be stop doing something or do something more, did it work? Nope. Did you feel closer to God by jumping through all of those spiritual hoops? You did? Mm-hmm. You remember why you're doing Yeah. So I think there are things that we can do that can help. I mean, that's where like praying longer, maybe we do need to spend some more time in prayer, communing with God. There are things called spiritual disciplines that are meant to be, they're challenging to do, that's why they're called disciplines. But we do them, and it's not like you do this, then this happens. But these are practices that can help us stay connected to God. But it does not mean that we won't experience those moments of silence. But when we start doing things with the motive of, you know, if I could just please God. Because it it sinks in real quick. That it's not about connecting with God. It's all about, well, if I could just please God. Or, you know, I made God angry, so I'm I'm going to be good now. I'm going to stop doing this. Because you stopped talking to me because I lied to this person over here. So we all have, so I have some news for each and every one of you. And first, I'm going to start with the bad news. Here's the bad news. Nothing you can do can make you rise and measure up to God's standards. That's the bad news. Nothing you can do can affect your standing with God. Nothing you can do can make God love you or make God love you more. It just can't happen. That's the bad news. 
But here's the good news. The good news is this. God's love has already been given to each and every one of us freely, without prerequisite, and there is no need of payment. It's already been offered to you. God shares this good news with us, even through Scripture. We talked last week about, is the Bible reliable? And we discussed that it, it is a reliable revelation of God's Word to us. And the Bible speaks to God's desire to be in relationship with us and God's love. Let's look at Titus chapter 3, verse 5. It says this, He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. So notice here, it's not because of works that we have done. Yes, we would love for everybody in this room to be a moral person. That is a good thing, but being a moral person does not save you. It does not draw you closer to God. It does not make God love you more. God's love is already there. Or John 1 that we read earlier. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God. This means we were adopted into God's family. And you know what? In in the case of adoption, in human adoption, do the children really have a choice? Especially when they're really young? No, the children don't have a choice. It's the parents who choose them. That's the way this works. God chooses us. God chose you. God wants you to be one of his children in his holy family. Or James, come near to God and he will come near to you. If you seek, you will find. And finally, Revelation 3, verse 20. Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. This sounds like a God who really wants a personal relationship. And who does it sound like is doing all the effort? God. Right? What do you believe these passages say about God? What words would you use to describe God in light of these passages we just looked like or just looked at? What are some words you would use to describe God? Accessible? Accessible. Stubborn. stubborn? Yes, I would imagine God's quite stubborn. Tough when you bump up against that stubbornness and when you realize it's your stubbornness. <laughs> Anybody else? Grace? I'd throw in the word patient. There's been many times in my life that I think God has had to be incredibly patient with me and I haven't appreciated it as much until I became a parent and I realized how hard it is to stay patient with your children. And I'm still working on that one. Anybody else? All-knowing. God knows everything about you, even those dark corners that you try to keep secret, and yet He still loves you. 
That's pretty amazing. Let's consider this in light of Pentecost. So here we are. We're celebrating this Pentecost Sunday, the coming of the Holy Spirit, the empowering of the people of God. That God, that Jesus, as He's ascending into heaven, ascending into heaven, says, "I'm sending a Helper for you that will dwell with you, that will live within you, that will convict you, that will comfort you, and that will pray for you even when you can't find the words to say." What do you think that says about God? Again, who's the mover in that? God, right? Doesn't that sound like a God who wants to be known? Because you are already known to Him. I'm going to send my Spirit to dwell in you. I'm going to be there with you. You seek me, yes, but on your own, you won't find me. So I'm going to help you find me. That's when we've talked about general revelation, which is all the evidence, all the things that are out there that do point toward God. But general revelation from the beauty of nature and how the, the world works and how the world must have been created by some sort of intelligent source. However it happened, there has to be this mover. All of that can point to God, but we can't arrive fully until that special revelation. When the Holy Spirit makes it click for us. The light bulb comes on and suddenly the things make sense. The truth about knowing God personally is this. God loved. God gave. We believe. We receive. God loved. God gave, we believe, we received. Let's unpack that just a little bit. How did God love us? How did God show us love? Jesus, right? He sent His only begotten Son, and whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. God loved us from the very beginning. In fact, it was the plan from the very beginning. We read John 1 earlier. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Who is the Word? Jesus is the living Word. He already existed. We didn't know Him by name yet. He already existed. The plan was already in place from the very beginning of time. God knew that He would have to intervene. God loved us, and God gave first. God is always the first mover. Always. You can't be the first move when it comes to God. Anything we do is only a response. And so God loved, God gave, and here is our chance to respond. We have the opportunity to believe. Now, believe doesn't mean that you understand absolutely everything. Belief is really in a sense of surrendering to the will of God. And I know surrender is hard. Surrender means that you have to let go of a certain amount of control. You have to be willing to see where the Spirit leads you, the path that God leads you down, and know you are not always in control. But you know what? If I've learned anything in parenting, I really am not in control. We have a false sense of control, don't we, in life? We think we may have control in our jobs, don't we? 
Maybe you think you have job security. I'm here to tell you there's really no such thing as job security. You're one leadership change away from that all changing. Anyone could walk into their work tomorrow and find out they're without a job. It can happen, right? It could totally happen. But God is there. God is with us always. We believe, and in our belief, we receive the blessings of God. Not because we've earned it in our belief, but it's because we've finally been willing to open a channel for it. It's been there all along, just like that Revelation passage, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. It's waiting. Will you open the door? Will you allow the grace of God to flow in to your heart? If anything, Jesus is a gentleman. And he doesn't want to enter into your life completely uninvited. There has to be. Relationship is a two-way street. Will you allow the Spirit, this God, to enter into your life? God loved us so much, he sent his Son to save us. If we believe in him, we will spend eternity in deep personal relationship with him. But it's not just to end at the life game, is it? It changes your life here and now. Belief changes the way you live now. So imagine with me for a moment. What if we all trusted that simple and profound truth that God loves us? God gave His Son. We can believe and receive the graces of God. If we believe this simple and profound truth, it would change everything, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it change everything? From our friendships and how we view our friendships, our marriages, our work relationships. Yes, even your work ethic. In fact, Christians should be the best workers. We should be the people. They should know us by our love, by our work ethic, by our good morals by our peace. We should be known by these things. If we believe this, it changes our sense of contentment, which is a real important topic in today's world when we're always trying to keep up with the Joneses. What would it look like to actually be content for once? Or what about our finances? How we view our resources? It changes everything. What if we all believe? The bottom line is this. The entire reason Jesus came to earth was so that everyone who trusts in him can know God personally. The relationship we were born to enjoy from the very beginning, the relationship we lost in the garden, has now been made new in Jesus. That's why scripture calls Jesus the new Adam. Where Adam made up, Jesus becomes the new Adam. We receive our inheritance through him, through Jesus alone. If this isn't truth for you yet, I want to invite you to explore further. And how this happens is it's not a magical moment necessarily. It's a conversation. And so I want to invite you to explore further if you would like to explore what it's like to accept this truth in your life, to know God personally. 
I'm making myself available. Let's grab a cup of coffee. Let's meet for lunch. Let's talk about what this could look like, what it can mean for your life. I want to share with you this amazing truth that I've learned in my own life, and probably many people in this room have learned. It changes everything. I wouldn't be standing up here talking to you if it didn't change everything for me. It's a profound truth that changes everything. And if it is a truth you've accepted, I invite you to continue to explore it. Because so often we can forget the power of this simple, profound truth. It's a truth we have to continually immerse ourselves in because otherwise we forget. Just like any relationship, whether it be marriage or children or friendships, have to be nurtured. And this relationship with God is nurtured as we immerse ourselves in that profound truth of God's profound love. Can we know God personally? Yes, we can know God personally. Let us pray. Holy God, we thank you for being a God who reaches out to us, who doesn't give up on us. We give up but you do not give up on us. And so, Lord, we pray that if we have accepted this truth, that you would continue to seek after us in those times when things seem quiet and you seem silent, that, Lord, we would still rest on that profound truth that even when you seem silent, your love is present and you are there. And, Lord, if we have yet to accept this truth, I pray that you would soften the hearts of those individuals. That you would help give them signs of your work in their lives. And that you would place people in their lives. Whether it be someone here or maybe someone who's not in this room. To be your advocate to speak of your truth. Not because we need another convert. Not because we need to add to our numbers. But because this is a profound truth that changes everything, and because it's changed us, we would love to see others experience that same beautiful change. Let your Spirit comfort us. Let your Spirit convict us. We pray all of this in the name above all other names, the name of your Son, Jesus, and we all pray. Amen.